Thank you for listening to this message from the North Bay. Thank you. You can be seated. Such an honor to be with you this weekend. We've been able to hang out with your pastors for the past few days. Quite an honor to be able to do that. Thanks for letting us come. It's always such a blessing to be able to come. You guys have lots of stories, and we love hearing all your stories and the stories of redemption that God marks you with. He was just talking about you being his fingerprints. You know, the scripture says that he's actually written you on the palm of his hand. Every time he holds his hands up, he sees you. You know, it's just true. It's true. These things, we don't make them up. They really are in God's word. But that's all I'll say. I just want to turn it over to him. Looking forward to the rest of the day. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. Pretty good looking crowd. You got to be really talented to be able to do that. I can do that really well. Pretty good looking crowd for the most part. <laughs> Exception here and there, but for the most part, pretty good looking crowd. It is good to be here. We love being here. I love your pastors and their family. And I'm really proud of them for allowing the Lord to do what he's doing with them. It's really awesome. And for those of you that are visiting, thank you for coming. I appreciate you being here. I'm not sure all that the Lord wants to do here for the next 45 minutes to an hour, but I'm confident enough of where to start. Sometimes that's all I need is just the starting line, and then I can navigate from there. So, Lord, help us to just tap into the word that you want shared in this house today. And Lord, even though it will be in some ways for this house and for these leaders, you're so wise and good at what you do that you'll even have an application for those that aren't a part of this house. And Lord, even though it's for this house and for this vision, for what you're saying to all of us now, you're also wise enough and good enough that you will show people how to apply this word to their personal lives. So whatever you want to do, we're in. Amen? Whatever you want to say, we're ready to hear it. Amen? All right. Since your eyes are already open, I'm going to stop. That's supposed to have been a joke, but that's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I want to read to you a portion of a prophetic word given to through a friend of mine a few months ago. And uh, even though the word begins as a prophecy for the nation, there are elements of it that are very important personally. And I feel like the Lord has just uh, gripped me with one phrase from that prophecy. And so I'm going to read it, make a few comments, and then get to that part of it. And the rest of my message will be just really focusing in on that part of it. 
But the board begins by just setting the stage for what a strategic season we're in nationally. You don't really have to be all that prophetic to know that America is at a crossroads. And that if we don't make the right choices uh, now, not just the elections, but in, in other ways as well, if we don't make the right choices, uh, they will, we will have far-ranging uh, effects and issues from those wrong choices. I feel like America has been in the wilderness for 40 to 50 years. Since 1964, when we said God was no longer allowed in our public places. That's when we made the decision, kids couldn't pray in school, we couldn't read the Bible to them. Uh, you know, I grew up every day in prayer. We started our day at school with the Lord, not only the Pledge of Allegiance, but the Lord's Prayer. Anybody in here? I see some head nods. I mean, that's the way, it was just open. You could talk about God and you could honor God. But America made a decision as, as a nation. You see, that's different. God holds us accountable for our personal decisions, but he also holds the nations accountable for what they decide or allow to be decided nationally. And as a government and a nation, we, deci we decided at that point, we're going to legislate you out of American life. And we're going to limit you to two hours on a Sunday or, or when people meet in a church, they can talk about you, but we no longer want you in the public square or in government or in education. And at that point in 1964, America started a decline and we were ripe for it because of the, the tumultuous 60s and the, the, the drug culture that was about to begin and the disillusionment over the Vietnam War. I'm talking way over some of your ages. <laughs> Some of you don't remember any of that. You weren't around. But America was ripe for it. We were ripe. We were kind of where we are now. We were at a, a window of opportunity where we could go one of two ways. We could either go into a season of moving further away from God or we could go into a season which he offered to the charismatic movement and the Jesus people movement. We could go into a season of coming back to him and his plans for America. And, and and there were many that chose to follow God, but as a nation, that did not happen. So we went into this cycle of 40 to 50 years of wondering. And I'm only saying that not to give you a history lesson, but to let you know that we're at another one of those windows. We're at another one of those crossroads where we can either begin the process of seeing God restore us to greatness. And that's not anything to do with Trump's slogan. I'm not trying to be political. But as far as I'm concerned, we lost our greatness. Yeah. And, and we lost a lot of other things with it. But we're either at a point where we can move back into a reforming, a reformation, a reforming of a nation, a rebirthing of destiny. And we can become the world leader that we're supposed to be and the blessed nation that he wants us to be. Or we can go into another 40, 50 year cycle of wandering in the wilderness which I'm not really sure we could survive. I'm not really sure our destiny would survive that. So that's not really the main message I want to bring you today. I just want you to know that that's where, uh, that's where this prophecy starts. 
what's more important for me today is to help us understand for this house, for these guys, for you personally, what God is saying to us individually to be ready for this season and to be able to cooperate with him. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to get a, a big perspective so I can bring us to our part because God wants you to live life for more than just you and your purpose and trying to make money and pay the bills and all the things we have to do every day. There's something beyond that he wants from you. And, and, and not just in the sense of this heavy weight of responsibility, but this wonderful privilege. He has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for nations. He has a destiny for individuals. But my friend Chuck Pierce said this in April, prophesying. Starting Monday, April 25th through October 20th, 2016, so we're in the season now, April 25th through October 20th, will be the most tumultuous, confusing time this nation has known in over 160 years. Now, it's already started, you know, with some of the unrest and violence and, and things happening with the terrorism here and around the world, and the elections, of course, are very tumultuous. But I think it's going to increase over the next couple of months. We have now crossed over into a time that will determine our future. I want you to know, this is still the prophecy, I want you to know, the Lord says, the body of Christ will not be the same. In other words, he's going to demand some changes. And he's going to make some changes. He's going to help us. And when we need it, he'll push us. Body of Christ won't be the same. You stand at a crossroad and must know how to turn. So you can't just get so bogged down in everyday life that you don't see the big picture and realize we're a part of this bigger group called the church and a bigger group called the nation. And God's saying to us right now, I need you to know how to turn. You've got to turn. This is a time that America determines its future. Just like we did in the 60s. That's my line. This is a time that America chooses its future. But understand this. This is a time that those leading the kingdom of God must move into their next identity. Sometimes preachers get up and we preach at you instead of talking to us, all of us. So what God is doing right now in America is not just for the lay person or the average church member and believers. It's not just for that. He's trying to also get the attention of his leaders and say, you better shift into a new, the next phase of what I created you to be because I'm going to hold you responsible for how to lead the whole group into what I've called them to do. So, you know, when I read this prophecy, it made perfect sense to me because we've known, we, Cece and I have known we were in this window for the last three, four, five years where, you know, God's been using us, yes. But he's also been doing as much to prepare us for the next season as he has been to use us in this one. It's true with you too. So we've been trying to be very diligent to say to God, 
we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to do this. We don't know what to do next. We have to follow you every step. We're not wise enough, smart enough. We don't have enough revelation does to know how to do this. We're going to have to follow you. So we've been trying to allow the Lord to, to do that with us, and it has stretched us. And you never stop, you should never stop growing in your faith and your walk with God. No matter how old you are, if you don't know more about him to, today than you did a year ago, then you got stuck somewhere. If you don't understand his ways a little better today than you did a year ago, you're in the first phase of becoming a nominal, complacent, lukewarm Christian and an old wineskin. I'm really, talk, I'm, here, I'm really here today. I'm not here to preach to you, teach you as a teacher. Uh, I'm here to talk to you as a father. I feel a, a significant responsibility on me today to move in the role of a father. And that doesn't mean I'm about to spank you. <laughs> That's not what this is about. I'm just talking to you and just trying to, just like if I would my, one of my daughters, just to sit down and help them through a season and coach them a little in life. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm feeling is on me today. Let me just finish this and then shift gears. The Lord says something that is so simple next in this prophecy, but it's so weighty to me. It starts with the words, I need. It's really shocking to me when God says he needs something. And he doesn't state it as a command. He states it as an appeal. I need something from you. And the rest of the sentence says, I need my intercessors. I need those who know how to pray in this season to jump in with me and help me push this thing through all the way until America makes the turn that it needs to make. Because God doesn't work in the earth in spite of the church, he works in the earth through the church. And when he can find the right cooperation, we cross over the Jordan, take the land, and enjoy the benefits of the promised land and our salvation. But when he can't find the right people, he puts things on hold and they wander in the wilderness and die for 40 years and then he finds another generation that can do it. Wow. Which is where we are now and I don't want to blow it and somebody else be standing in America 40 years from now saying what I'm saying. Well, another generation blew it because they wouldn't rise up. So he's saying to the intercessors, I need you right now. So if you're not an intercessor, you need to become one. Come 
That doesn't mean you have to pray three hours every day. That means you do learn to pray. You do pray regularly. You pray as you can. You, go, you attend the prayer meetings. You show up early for prayer. But you also every day while you're riding in your car or you're getting ready for it, you just begin to live a life of prayer, a mindset of prayer, and you just keep throwing those prayers up all through the day because you're part of filling the bowls of intercession that God describes in the book of Revelation that when they're full, he eventually dumps them out on the earth with thunder and lightnings and fire. And that's where we are right now. We're trying to get those bowls, bowls completely filled so he can tip them and begin to shake things up his way. So he says, I need my intercessors. Not a time to get distracted. Not a time to be too tired. I need my intercessors. You have entered a time, this is a good word for this house, because this is who you are, one of the aspects of who you are. You've entered a time of the tabernacle of David being exemplified and emerging in the earth. See, in the book of Revelation, one of the things God says, I will restore the fallen tabernacle of David. Now, what's that? Well, that was the tent that David put up and put the Ark of the Covenant in there and had 24-7 worship. And it doesn't mean that every congregation and every ministry has to have 24-7 worship. It means that, like David, we enter into a time again where worship of him, intimacy with him, is number one. It's our life. It's what we live for. It's the first thing. We're going to keep first things first. The most important thing here today is not the sermon. It's you connecting with him. And so we, we, we move into a lifestyle. The church has now, there's an element of the church that has made the shift from thinking that a few songs are just to get us happy and get us focused for the real important part of the message service, which is the sermon. For years, that's what preachers taught and believed, that the worship, the singing, the song service is just to get you ready for the word. Which is just stupid. So we've moved past a time where that's the case and we're, we're building a canopy over America called the Tabernacle of David. The, there's a remnant of the church that has moved into this season now where we, we, we've gotten that priority right. We may not do it perfectly, but at least we're moving in. We moved into a theology and a belief system that he is number one. He's the most important thing we do. We don't, period, period. Our relationship with him is just number one. So he's doing that. And he says this, all, this is the Lord and talking again, all religious culture across the earth must now shift. Be willing to be the Judah or the praise worship. Be willing to be the Judah expression that creates my prototype for the future. It's not going to be great sermons that create the prototype for the future. It's going to be the connection this way. I'm going to stop. I'm halfway through that prophecy. I'm not going to stop my sermon. I'm going to stop reading that. Because what the Lord really zeroed me in on this morning was the phrase, 
to the leaders, you must find your new identity. And I'm going to expand that and say, I know in my heart, that's not just a word for leaders. That's a word for entire congregations and individuals across the body of Christ. We've got to be very diligent in this season to enter a new phase. It's like Joshua and the Israelites. Are you wanderers in the wilderness? See the generation before, for those of you that haven't been in this all that long and studied your Bible for years, you know, there's a, Moses led a group out of Egypt and they could have conquered the, the people of the, the Canaanites and had their inheritance right then, but they moved into fear and unbelief and murmuring and complaining. And God finally had to say, I've had enough. You're going to die out here over the next 40 years and when you're all dead, I'm going to take the next generation in. So then the next generation, they had to decide, well, are we murmurers and complainers? Are we fearful and unbelievers? Are we, do we still have a slave mindset that we'd really rather go back to Egypt and be slaves where at least they feed us? Or do we want to pay whatever price we have to pay and go on in and get our inheritance? Which, what is going to be our identity? And so God is asking a remnant, and you're a part of that, a remnant group of the body of Christ in America right now, because fortunately he will honor the decision of the remnant and we can prevail and everybody else will get to get in on it because God has always been willing to work through a few and a remnant. He doesn't need the majority. So there's a remnant right now that he's asking, are you going to go all the way with this thing and pay whatever price you have to pay and are you going to shift your thinking because God came to Joshua and said, in three days, you're going to graduate from being wanderers to conquerors. In three days, you're going to graduate from being nomads out here in a wilderness and you're going to move in and I'm going to give you cities you didn't build and wells you didn't dig and crops that you didn't plant and I'm going to give you an inheritance that I spoke to your great, 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 great granddaddy about 400 years ago. And everything is about to shift. But the first thing that has to shift, everybody look at me, the first thing that has to shift is this. You're going to have to start thinking differently. Yes, yes, sir. Which I believe is why God didn't give Joshua much time. He said in three days, everybody needs to be packed and ready because we're crossing that river and starting in three days. He didn't tell them in three months, get them ready over the next three months and then we'll go. He didn't say three weeks. He said three days. Can you imagine the scrambling that was happening with people, possessions, kids, livestock, everything getting ready to start this why didn't you give us a little warning joshua i mean you could have good well come on a, a week or two three days we've been out here 40 years couldn't you have planned a little better i know why god did it this way because he knew if he gave them too much time they would think their way into unbelief again and they would think their way into fear again. And they would think, what if, what if, what if, what about this, what about this? And God wasn't saying, you need to have all that figured out. He was saying, do you have enough faith to pack your bags and start moving this, this direction right here? Because that's all I need from you is obedience and faith. 
If you'll obey what I say to you, do what I tell you, and if you believe me, that's all I need from you. I don't need your good ideas. I don't need your committees. Okay, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and two or three weeks from now, we'll form this and this. And that's not what I need from you. I need obedience and faith. I need this thing dealt with. I need you to change your identity. You're not wanderers. You're pioneers, you're conquerors, you're destiny people, you're, you're chosen, you're blessed. You're not druggies, you're, you're saints, you're believers. You're not an abused victim, you're a healed warrior. You're not poor. You're pre-rich. So there's a group of people in America right now. God is about, he's, he's, he's putting us on the scales. We're going to be weighed in the balance. He's going to find out, is there a remnant of people that have shifted their thinking enough that they can now do whatever I say and go wherever I send them and do whatever I tell them to do. If so, we're going we're gonna to rescue the whole bunch. And we're going to carry a nation into a new beginning. So... So the Lord reminded me this morning of a dream given to me. I didn't have the dream. A prophet had the dream about me and gave it to me. A dream given to me a few years ago from an Alaskan prophet. We were, we were in Alaska together and these people invited us to their house for dinner and I didn't want to go but we went. And there's another one of those times where the Lord said, see, do what I tell you instead of what you want, you might get something. So we felt like we were supposed to go and I adjusted my attitude because I live on the road and I don't want to spend every night with strangers. I want my private time out there on the road as well as meeting people. Does that make any sense? If it doesn't, don't worry about it. <laughs> but we went and he gave me one of the most significant words I've ever received. The dream was profound, and I'm going to share the whole dream, but I'm going to share with you the part of the dream that the Lord brought back to me this morning. And the second, it was like, like a play. There were different phases, different acts of the dream. And the second phase, there was a hotel-like building, and Cece and I were in the corner room sleeping, and it was room number, this is a very detailed dream, amazing dream. But we were in room number 1220. And you get these dreams, you just have to go on a treasure hunt with God and find out what are you saying to me through this. But after a few weeks, <clears throat> finally I just heard the Lord say, well, how do I speak to you? I speak to you more than any other way through word studies. Why don't you 
Why don't you think that way? So I looked up in Strong's Concordance the Hebrew word number 1220. And that was indeed the interpretation of that part of the dream. And 1220 is a word found in Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you've never seen or known. The word mighty is 1220. It doesn't mean mighty in the sense of muscular or strong or powerful. It means mighty and is only translated at times mighty because it really means well fortified. So the strength that this word implies is not so much from inherent power, but the fact that it is hidden well or fortified well, like a city upon a hill that's strong city or mighty city because it's so strategically placed. Or it's the word for sometimes to use to describe vineyards and the reaping of the, of the harvest of the vineyard because they planted hedges of thorns or put fences around the hedges so they, or the, 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 the fields or the vineyards so they were well fortified. It's a word describing mining gold because the gold is hidden and protected and you've got to go find it. It's a word that means fenced in. So <clears throat> you put all that in there. Here's what the Lord's saying about this verse, this room. There's a place I want to show you where I have hidden treasure. Fruit. There's a dead spot right here. Don't, don't do anything. It's not your fault. I just need to keep, stay out of the dead spot. There's fruit that's hidden. There are treasures of darkness in dark places right now. There are prophets sleeping under bridges. Come on, come on. There are evangelists shooting up. There are worshiping followers of Jesus on the inner circle like Mary Magdalene who are sleeping with people every night and selling their bodies. Because there are treasures that are hidden. And there's also revelation that's been hidden. Call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and hidden things you've never seen before but you're going to have to search you're going to have to call you're going to have to dig for the gold so we found ourselves in a room outside the room filled with the hidden that represented hidden treasure and revelation and all the good stuff Outside that room in the dream was an entourage of people waiting for something. You know, personally, I believe they were the treasure. They were waiting for something to happen in that room that unlocked something for them. And when he got in our room, he said it was really strange because it was like a backstage of a, of a 
opera or, you know, or a, a, play, a play a theater. Because there were costumes hanging all over the wall. And there were prosthetics, artificial, you know, body parts hanging on the walls. And his prophet said, what is that? I don't, he said, I don't know. You're going to have to go to God and search the meaning of this dream. I said, well, I know what the prosthetics are. Because I'm, of my love for word studies, I know that we get the word prosthetic, which is, an, again, an artificial tooth or arm or something man-made to try to restore purpose to that which is lost. So we get the word prosthetic from the Greek word prothesis, which is pre-thesis, thesis to write the purpose or understanding of something pre in advance so the New Testament word for purpose and destiny is prethesis or prosthesis. So you don't need to know all that, but you do need to know this. It means he wrote your story in advance. He wrote his thesis, his plan for you. Now that doesn't mean that everything that's happened in your life, God planned. Because we're not fatalists and we know God gives choices. So if you were raped, that doesn't mean God wrote into your story now and this year I want them raped. I'll use that one day. No, that's not God. If you've had issues with drugs and you, 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 you became addicted to that or you had a bad life in some other way or you were hurt or abused or rejected or you bankrupt, that's not, that doesn't mean that God wrote all that into your story just so he could use all the bad stuff and make you a better person. That's not what it means. It means that in spite of all of that, see, there's, there's, there's a story that man, humans try to write for you. You even write some of it with your bad decisions. I do. We all do. Others contribute to that. And we find ourselves with issues that we really didn't even cause ourselves. What it means is that God knew that was going to happen and he wrote how he's going to restore you and fix all of that, and in spite of that, here's what I'm going to do with them. Because when they come to me, I start my chapters. It means that all things work together for good. That doesn't mean he creates the all things. That means that even when the enemy does all things, he calls us according to his prosthesis, is what the verse says. So when the enemy tried to cut off your destiny and do this to you or this to you or you raised in this situation or that or that over there and the enemy tried to lop off your arm and say they will never be everything they could have been. I knew how I was going to recreate that for them and give them back full use of everything Satan cut off. You didn't know he put the word prosthesis in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those when they move into my prosthesis. So here are all these purposes and destinies and stories and theses 
hanging on the walls of room 1220. And all the people outside waiting. Somebody help me find purpose. What is this all about anyway? Why was I born? Why am I here? I need purpose. You know, USA Today did a poll on the street corner several years ago and they asked a thousand people walking by if you could ask God one question. Stand before him personally and ask him one question. What would it be? I thought you know, most of them would be like, you know, why is there suffering or where will I spend eternity? And those were mentioned, but it, number two on the list was like, num, was like 15% of the people. And then number one jumped up to 30-some percent. Said they would ask him, what is my purpose? I was blown away. The number one driving desire built into the DNA of every human being on the planet is a desire for worth, significance, do something with their life. Why do I exist? Why am I here? And so there's the entourage waiting for purpose. And somehow I'm in a room where they can find it. Somehow God wants to do something with my life. Cece's life that we help a generation find the treasure. Then there were costumes. He said, well, I don't know what that's all about. It's like a vaudeville effect. I said, I think I know what it is. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are his workmanship. Poema. It means either to write a poem or to form a garment. In this verse, it is almost certainly the weaving of a garment. We are his outfit, his garment, created for good works, which he planned for us ahead of time. Now we're back to the pre-thesis thing. The work prepared ahead of time is consistent with making a garment because it really means, proeto mazo really means to measure or fit in advance, fit up in advance. So if I were going to make you, if I was a tailor and I were going to make you a tailor-made suit, I wouldn't look at you and go, eh, maybe 32, 34, or, you know, thir 30 chest, like maybe 45, 40, <laughs> or Uh, those were the good old days when I had a chest. Now I have furniture disease. My chest sank into my drawers. <clears throat> I wouldn't guess I would measure him, and he wouldn't be a 34 or 32-inch waist. He'd be 32 and a quarter or half. He'd be whatever your 
and so you would be 36, maybe in a half or five eighths. I've been measured by a tailor. They don't, they don't do inches, they do eighth of an inch. Yes, sir. Because when they finish, they want a tailor-made, perfect fit. So this verse says, God planned something for you. And he wrote about it. It's on record in heaven. This is what I want to do with them. Then he backed up and he took your measurements. Okay, if I'm going to do this, they need to be a 32 and a quarter. In other words, they need this personality. They need this gift. They need this mindset and motivation. I'm going to need to give him this woman, give her this man, I'm going to need him to be a part of this house. Because yes. I know exactly what I want to do with them. So I'm going to make them just the way I need them made. That doesn't mean that all of your little quirks were given to you by God and you can just, let your, you can just cop out on your weaknesses because God made me this way. It means there's something he put inside of you that is very unique, that he measured you for. There is a very specific destiny he has for your life. Many people live their lives and they never find it. They just go on and they don't look for it. They just cruise along. They just make money, eat, drink, be merry, and then they die. And then you get to heaven and God says, but I made you for this. You could have done this with your life. Well, I was born into, yes, but I, I'm the prosthesis God. Come on. And I had a plan to help you overcome all of that. Well, I wouldn't have a good education. Yes, but I was going to teach you how to study and I was going to make you smarter. Come on. But I was poor. Yes, I was going to show you how to overcome that and have everything you needed. I was willing to do that. Yeah, but I was raised in this religion and I didn't know. Yes, but I had the plan. I had already written how I was going to do this. And so, so fortunately, so some of you, you've come out of messes and you're, you're, you've come out of problems and you've come through difficulties and you've come through wounds and pains and God is trying to say to you right now, what is my identity for you? Not, and not just what, is my, what was my identity in the last season. What do I want to do with you in this season? Because if he's demanding that I and leaders find out the new identity and step into the new, then he's certainly saying to all of us, you better be willing to shift So he has put this house and these leaders into a season of finding what needs to be found for the next season so you can get to the treasure. So I know, and I've done some of this I know not just prophetically, but just from talking. So. You know, Damon comes in here and he, 
he starts saying, well, you need to go into a season where you do this and this and this, and you need to stop doing this and that, and you need to let the Lord do some things internally. And some people, you know, they just, they don't handle change well. So, you know, they're just thinking, well, I don't want to do that. Well, who cares what you want? That's how I, that's how I walk, you know, that's how I relate to the Lord. Well, I don't think I want to do that. Well, who cares what you want? If you do what he says, you get to the treasure. If you don't do what he says, you die in the wilderness. So we're all right now, there's a remnant of the church that is on this amazing treasure hunt. Brother, where art thou? Do not seek the treasure. Well, seek the treasure. <laughs> find out, find the garment for the next act. Let him remeasure you, put on a few pounds. <laughs> You've got to get ready for this season. I'm slower at this age, but I'm smarter. So get another outfit and start conforming to what he wants you to do, Sheets, in this season. Don't assume it's the last one. My message to you today is very simple. What is the next phase identity that he wants to reveal to you for your life. It will be connected to yesterday, but it will not be exactly the same as yesterday. He will not waste what he gave you, taught you. He won't even waste what the enemy did to you. But you cannot assume that it will be the same as the next. So this house is in transition. You're going to go through more transition. And there's going to be peeling away of some things, some of which is always people. But there's going to be an adding of things. And, and you're either going to have to you know, make the, the decision that when the Lord says move, we move. Or I, I liked the gym. Well, then go find a gym somewhere. Because that phase is just about over. Get ready to move. And I'm, I'm using it both ways, not just physically. Get ready for change. Because we're, we're all about to move into this season of harvest, a season of change, the nation is about to, I'm crying out and saying, Lord, don't give us seven or eight years of Jezebel. You can interpret that any way you want. And I'm, I'm, because I'm not a Hillary fan, I'm not a Trump fan either. So don't get the idea that I'm trying to get political. I'm just saying, don't let anybody get in that White House that's going to appoint more wicked judges and give us 40, 50 more years of anti 
Bible, anti-God, anti-Christ rulings to kick you out of our nation again and even more for another 40 years and redefine marriage and kill more babies and tell our kids, you can't do this with God, you can't do that. We can't teach you about God, but we can teach you how to raise kids with two daddies or two mommies in the home instead of mom and dad. We, we gotta, we gotta stop this madness. So there's a group of people right now that God is trying to say, are you gonna, are you gonna cross over into the promised land even though it means a fight and get your new identity functioning in you or are you gonna die in the old identity? This is a season where the remnant church is going to make this decision. Are you going to fight or are you going to die? Are you going to lose everything that I wanted to do or are you going to fight? And if you're going to be a part of the remnant, I mean die spiritually, okay? I'm not, I'm not implying nuclear war or something. If you're going to be a part of the remnant, you're going, to, you're going to have to decide, I'm a fighter, and I'm not going to go down without a fight. And if there is any possible way to turn this nation back to God, it's going to happen. Because I'm going to be a part of the, of the group that makes sure it happens. And I, for one, believe we can win this. Yep. And I'm talking about elections. I'm talking about the overall nation. I, for one, I believe there is a third great awakening that is waiting for us to move fully into. I believe there's a wave of God's spirit and revival and harvest and mind, minds will change and lives will change and destinies will change. I believe that there's a wave of this that has already begun, that is coming, that is so strong that if we make the right choices right now, we go in and kill the giants. Spiritually speaking. And I believe you're part of that remnant. And I don't want you to think the way you thought yesterday. I want you to shift into a different mindset that says, I'm going to be, whatever God says here, I'm in. Wherever he sends us, I'm going. Where, whenever it's time to pray, I'm going to be there praying. When it's time to fast, I'm going to do it. When it's time to just love my brother, I'm going to love my brother. But I'm not a bystander. I'm not an observer. I'm a fighter. And I'm a team player, too. And you don't have to agree with everything to have that mindset. You don't have to have perfect leaders. You just have to be a team player and a remnant warrior. I'm probably finished. I probably just need to wind this up. I want you to determine that you're gonna find as a person and as a group the next phase identity that God has for this house. 
Now the Lord's doing some really good things in you. And he's not quite finished. And he's going to He's going to be fairly ruthless to get you all the way through this process. A guy came to me several years ago, and he, when our journey, when our transition started, and he said, the Lord's going to put you through the eye of the needle. And then he stopped and said, no, he's not. He's going to shove you through, which means he's going to strip things off and get everything off he needs to get you through into the next season. And I feel like you're one of those people that God is saying, now hear my heart that you're so important to me. And I so need you. I'm not going to let you stop until I shove you all the way through this season into the next one. And I don't say that because you're resisting him, because you're not. I say that just to let you know that even though the Lord has been pretty strong in some ways, it's because of the calling and the the treasure that he has in you that he's determined to get. Good enough will never be good enough for you. He is destined for you to be a couple, a person, persons of high excellence. You will demonstrate at the fullest level possible his power. You will one day be translated. You will experience the miracle of translation. You will wake up in the morning and you will wonder, did I dream about Africa last night or did he translate me there? and bring me back. Did I really preach the gospel to that village? You will really preach the gospel to that village. You can live a life that allows, I hesitate to say this because I don't want this to sound like there's some proud ambition involved because that can't happen and it won't happen. But you really can live a life that one day they will reference you when they talk about moves of God 40 years ago. And they'll say, and this man, this woman, we're part of this era of history. And so like the Wesleys and the Whitfields and the Finneys would be the Lovejoys. you've got to press in fully to the new identity all the way and this word is not in any way shape or form because you haven't been and there's no part of this that's a rebuke it's just a little pat on the back saying he's not quite finished there is a new identity that he's forming that, that is not entirely new. You understand that, don't you? You're always going to move in the same passion, the same intensity, the same zeal. Your gifts that you're operating in, you're, you're going to keep operating in, but it's going to be Joshua over here, now Joshua over here. 
and you're not the camp leader anymore, you're the general. And you got to go take this territory. So you're not going to be hunting food every day just to keep everybody happy while that generation dies. You're going to go kill giants. So, Lord, I just pray over this house and I pray over this couple. And I thank you for, for the good work you have begun. I thank you for the Caleb company that you're joining to them that is just saying, tell me when, tell me where, I'm ready to go. I thank you for that company. And Lord, I thank you for those that will be joined to them that they don't know yet. I thank you for the hidden treasure that they're going to find because some of their sons and daughters that will help them take the land aren't even sons and daughters yet. They're still shooting up and wandering around looking for the garment, the costume, the outfit, the, the new thesis. But they'll find them, and you're going to bring them. You're going to help them find them. And I just declare over them as a father that they're never going to be willing to, to settle for second best or for life on the other side of the Jordan or the safety of a village that is just dying away without destiny. And they, the thought of going back to Egypt is so repulsive to them they'd rather die. But you're going to finish the work of the new phase and the forming of the next phase identity and you're going to do it for this house and you're going to do it for those they run with for the daemons and the circuit boys and girls and the company that you're raising up will be a company that saves a nation A school at a time, a neighborhood at a time, a city at a time, a gang at a time, a family at a time. So now I, I release anointing into their very brains that they will even begin to think differently than they've ever thought before. Creatively, strategically, even intellectually. That that which you measured them for will come into its next phase 
And a part of that will even be mindsets that change. And even as you're changing the mind, you will be filling the hand. And the gifts and anointings will be intensifying. And everything you've dreamed of, and the power, and the harvest, and the, the outpouring of Holy Spirit that you have dreamed of and decreed, you will see. You will see it. And anybody else that wants to see it with them can. And it's not just for the leaders. It's for everybody that God attaches to this man's regiment. Because the miracles are not all supposed to be in this room. They're supposed to be wherever you are. Because you're going to raise the dead. And you're going to open blind eyes. And you're going to heal marriages. And you're going to take little kids that have been beat up and thrown around the home and bounced off of the wall. And you're going to be the person that God uses to shape that destiny and heal them of all of it. Because you are chosen by God to make a difference. So, Lord, I release over this house new identity, new paradigms, another costume for the next act or the next play. And I cut off every evil mindset, wound, way of thinking, everything the enemy has tried to do or life has tried to do or people have tried to do, the enemy's working through that. I, I cut off all of that and I ask you now to surgically bring your prosthesis and recreate that healthy mind and that healthy heart and that belief system that I can through Christ and I will and he will show me how and that I'm a winner and I'm a conqueror and I'm more than enough through Jesus and I ask you for gifts the same thing that you said over Tina and Jimmy Lord that 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 while you change the mind and the internal system that you're also forming new gifts and anointings and increasing the power level. And while I feel such a gift of faith in this house, I'm going to ask that for the remnant church around the nation. That you will that we could somehow stand in the gap right now for the Church of America, the Remnant Church of America, that we're going to find our new identity and we're going to carry the day. And like Patton and his troops, 
in World War II at the Battle of the Bulge that saved the world, there's a remnant division in the body of Christ that's going to stop Hitler's attack and we're going to see the salvation of a nation. And whatever price we have to pay, we're going to pay it. Bring that, Lord, in this season. Let the next two months be the greatest outpouring of your spirit into the remnant believers that our generation has seen. And so, Lord, we just say in the words of Caleb and Joshua, we are well able to take the land. We are well able. These giants will be like bread for us. It's not about how big they are. It's about how big you are, God. It's not about how strong we are. It's how strong you are. So we are well able to do this. And this house is well able to do it. And Cece and I are well able to do whatever you ask us to do in this season. And we, we are well able to shift into the new identity you have for us. And we are well able to lead the body of Christ that you've, you've, you've uh, asked us to lead. We're well able to help them move into this. Thank you for that strong right hand, Lord, and we believe mighty, mighty, mighty things are coming. Mighty, mighty, mighty things are coming. Jerichos are coming down and giants are about to die. And so mighty, 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 mighty. You are a mighty God and we're well able to possess the land. Thank you, Lord. I feel like there needs to be just a response, and I'm not sure how to do this right now. Just, uh, just feel like the Lord just wants to continue to talk to some of you. I don't think you need to drag this out for an hour, but maybe some of you just need to get a place with God, and maybe the musicians need to get up there, and maybe we just need to seal this with a song or somehow. Um, you know, sometimes when God's dealing with you, you just... You just have to do something to say yes. You can't, sometimes you can just say yes, but sometimes you just go and you take five minutes and you just say, I'm in. Or you just go bow or you sit down and ponder or you journal in your Bible on this day, such and such a day, I re-enlisted. You know, I'm, I'm joining the intercessors. To, I become an intercessor today. I, I stepped across, I moved into the Jordan today. You know, whatever it is for you, let the Lord make, make sure that he lets this be stamped in your heart in such a way that you don't forget it and you don't waste this moment. Amen. So let's just, if you want to jump in, jump in. But if not, I just want just people to be able to respond for a moment or two. Just, just whatever you feel. 
just re-enlist. That's what I felt too. I felt like that was a word from the Lord. Some of you, you need to re-enlist today. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Bee. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.